who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hi! Welcome, Welcome to, to Scam Wow! I'm Caitlin Bradley. I'm Sue Smith. And we love scams. We do love scams. Guys, we love scams. We love you, Sue. Welcome to another day, another parenting pandemic wow. day. Please kill me. Please. <laughs> She's doing it, you guys. I was on, I'm in a like um support group for new moms, and I yeah, was you are. <laughs> and they're very like touchy feely, like therapy, mm. like blah blah blah. Um, they were like, How are you doing? And I was like, I don't mean this literally, but I want to kill myself. <laughs> and I was like, I should have oh, yeah. said that in this group. <laughs> they didn't relate. Oh, they don't know jokes that well, you know what I mean? No, no, no. That's that was my number one joke when my son was born. Like, don't we wish we were dead? <laughs> yes, you know, when you get so stressed out, you're like, I just want to turn the Violence inward. <laughs> just, I just want to go under the sheets and not exist right. with this beautiful creature I created. I never want to wake up. It's a joke. Yes, yeah. it's a joke. It's yeah. a joke. How are you doing? Turns out I am an asshole. <laughs> no, that's just not true. Out. Nope, I disagree. Am an so, disagree. I'm also dyslexic, so it's like a combination thing. I think. So I'll back up by saying I am horrible at birthdays. I cannot remember birthdays. Just. This year and last year, I finally memorized my dad's birthday. And the reason is, is because the numbers really get me confused. They switch up in my head all the time and people's ages. So then you have like the number dates and their ages and everything. And I rely on, I've just like used my other family members. I rely, like I know it's like in in March and then I check in with my other family members to let me know exactly what the day is. And so finally I'm like, okay, it's March 12th. I know that. It's my dad's birthday, March 12th. Fine. I think my poppy's birthday was March 10th. So I kept like flipping them. So I have this incredible friend. She's one of my best friends in the world. We've been friends for 15 years. And on Facebook, 
like four years ago, she put her birthday incorrectly so that Facebook wouldn't track her. Mm -hmm. And she's Romanian. And so she was doing all of this stuff to like kind of make it. I don't know. I think like she wanted to feel safe. She's like, I don't know what this weird Facebook thing is. Sure. And like, I don't want it. I don't want them tracking me. You don't want Zuckerberg um, having all your info, but he does he anyway. Yeah. But he does. And yeah. uh, I texted to him if he asked. Uh, uh, so it's like there's all this information. Um, and so for the longest time, she had a birthday that was the wrong day. And I also on her birthdays when we were like in our early 20s, every birthday you just know because your friends like we're going out to get drinks or we're going out to party. Like you didn't really have to keep track of your friends' birthdays as much because even if it wasn't on Facebook, like you didn't get the, the alert, like you would just know. You would just create an event with your friends and it would be easy. So now she has two kids. They're fabulous. They're wonderful. Her birthday is now a different date. And so a few years ago, she got really upset that we, my husband and I missed her birthday. But it was the incorrect birthday because we celebrated the wrong one. Then um, the next year, her birthday was corrected on Facebook. But then I said, oh, no, this is completely wrong because it, she doesn't like Facebook. It's wrong on Facebook. So then she was very hurt that I missed her birthday that year. Then the next year, I missed her birthday by a couple days because I had extreme postpartum depression. Sure. <laughs> then this year, I have put her birthday in my phone. I yeah. called her two weeks before her birthday to say happy birthday in case I missed it. Her birthday was on Passover. I'm making latkes up the wazoo for of my course, family. Of course and you I are. miss her birthday. Yeah. Of course I am. And I call her two weeks after her birthday and she's like, ah, don't worry about it. You know, it's the third year in a row. You're not going to get it anyway. And I think she was really hurt. And she's one of my closest friends. Like I was a bridesmaid. Like how can parents, you be expected? Oh, How can you be expected? I really like, You're inundated not, with information in this day and age. You know what I mean? One date. How can you expect? You can't be expected. I'm bad at it. And like, and I even know, and I'm like, look, I'm not going to remember this because she put it, it's in March, but then she put it on her Facebook as May. And so in my mind, I'm like, remember, it's not May, it's March. But then in my mind, I flipped it in my head and I'm like, it's not March, Listen, it's May. Like, if she as an adult, <gasps> needs that from you and needs you she to does. wish her she happy does. birthday, then she there's really something wrong cards. with her, okay? Yes. She shouldn't She's need lovely. that much from you. Well, I I also, like, at this point, I think I just kind of let myself up. I'm like, look, I'm a flaming idiot. Like, no, I'm just you're an not. idiot. Like, I'm you're not going to remember Stop numbers. It. You're not. Thank, thank you. But I will not remember anyone's birthday. And I just, I wish it didn't matter to her, and it does. Katie. And I feel terrible. I have to send her a gift basket or something. No, I don't know. Katie, it's not your skill set. Listen, all my it life, not my skill set. it's not. Listen, all my life, my mom had very long nails. I mean, she still, she grows her nails out. They're beautiful. Never yeah. once have I been able to do, never once in my entire mm -hmm. life. Could it in my life. I can't. It's not my, Could but it. I've come to accept that's not me. That's not who I am. Yeah. Maybe that's, and that's just who you are. It's okay. You know, I'm just not a birthday person. And the thing is, I love birthdays. Like in general, sure. I think they're a great thing. <laughs> I love that you're born. I love that we have another year with you. <laughs> love. I love celebrating a friend. I love balloons. Yeah. Really. Sprinkles, cake. It's my favorite. Um, can't do it. And I feel she I shouldn't need this from it. you. She, this is her fault. She shouldn't need it from you. But if it's Sorry. like the third or fourth birthday in a row, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's okay. I mean, okay. Guys, everybody, uh, call into Scamwell. Let me know when your birthday yeah. is so I can have more numbers in my head. I will forget them. So she can be even more panicked at all times. <laughs> I just like, I need to really mix it up. Yeah. I do want to say if you hear my baby crying in the background, he is crying. <laughs> um, he's he that is is real. living his best life and Sue is a hero right now. My husband is trying to get him to sleep, but he never goes to sleep for my husband. 
Uh, no. But God damn it, he tries. You Why know? would he when mom and the boob are like in the other right room? There. And they hear us. They know that we're no. enjoying ourselves laughing and doing something that's not with them. He's in a four-month sleep regress- regression, which means that he just screams all the time. And you're in a four-month hell regression. Yes. And that's it. Yes, I'm in a four-month kill myself. Yes, that was the worst time for Alan. That was the time where he had to talk to other parents and he was like, this sucks, right? Like, it will get better, but I'm not happy. Oh, yeah. okay. I made Austin join a dad support group, too. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, there's, guys, um, PSA for all guys and girls out there, there is postpartum depression for men is completely a normal thing that nobody talks about. It's your whole life changes. Your sleep pattern changes. You're exhausted. Like men are allowed to be sad, too. But I feel that they nobody wants to admit it or feels guilty to admit it or there's just so many layers. Nobody talks about anything pregnancy. If you want to hear my whole birth story plug, Mm -hmm. it's monetized on our Patreon. So just go to scamwebpodcast.com and you can find our Patreon. Sue deserves that five bucks for you to hear her story. <laughs> give me your give me your five bucks. Oh, speaking of which, we have a new Patreon patron. We do. Hey, it is Haley. Thank you Haley. so much, Haley. Thank you so much. Welcome to the team. Yes. I think Mary also said she would listen to us on our, our medication for years, and I love it. She said she would buy a $750 NFT. To listen to us gab thank you so much thank you so much. um Haley, we have a scam for you this week we are telling you that i think that there is no all perfect face product out there for you so Haley, don't just decide that you're gonna mm. get this new cream and it's gonna be incredible and your life's gonna change everything works in pairs so i'm learning that i'm like now suddenly obsessed with collagen but it only works if you add it with vitamin c so Haley, you gotta get both Yeah, I think collagen might be a scam. I don't know if collagen, does it really work? I don't know. I think it does work. Well, vitamin C is changing my life. Uh, The other day I was like, is that a filter or is that me? (laughs) And it was me. (laughs) Oh, good for you. (laughs) I'm so proud. There's not one cure-all product and the infomercials and the people will tell you like, oh, this C scrub will fix your life. No, you have to find out what it matches with because, and if you Google like a benzoyl peroxide paired with or a vitamin C paired with, you can find online what will make it better for your life. Yes. I just have to tell you one more story and then we can bring on our guest. Just keep talking. (laughs) I was in Lassen's the other day, which is like, I don't know, a baby Whole Foods. They have a ton of them in New York, but not many here. I think it's run by a cult as well. Um, Okay, cool. We'll look into that. They're closed on Sundays. Um, (laughs) So I'm losing my hair at a rapid pace. So I went in and I just said to the girl in the vitamin section, I was like, I'm losing my hair. What do I take? Because they have like rows and rows of vitamins. And she was like, this one actually works. And she gave me this one called Hair Fluence. So I'm... A hair fluencer now. And then I was like, okay. But then I was like, does it work for postpartum? She was like, she went and she looked it up for me and she, oh, I like which her. vitamins I should take. And she's like, but if you, it continues your hair loss, if it continues more than 12 months, you should see your doctor. And I just felt so taken care of by her. It That's was what lovely. you needed at that moment. All you needed was a simple Google. Like you're taking care of everything right now. You're on your own in this pandemic. For a sales girl to just Google for you is the most thoughtful right? thing. I like almost started. It was so lovely. Sue, I would have cried. I know. Okay. We have an amazing guest today. She has a new book coming out um, in June called Cultish. Please welcome. So fucking cool. Amanda. Amanda Montel. Montel. Hello. You know, thank you so much for having me. You know, listening to you talk, I can definitively say that the two of you are each in like six different cults. So we'll talk about that. Thank you so <laughs> Actually, much. you're so welcome. 
Yeah, no. And I was also thinking about like the Venn diagram of like cult leaders, birthday girls and newborn babies. And I was thinking like <laughs> the, the the overlap. Sure. With, yes, she does. Yeah. She does her homework. The overlap with cult leaders and newborn babies is obviously that they rob you of years of your life and all your money. Everything. The yes. overlap between birthday girls and cult leaders is all of the ritualistic singing, spending and mind altering substances. And the overlap of all of them is that they demand your constant attention. <gasps> wow. Amanda, you just validated yeah. our existence. She just diagnosed us. <laughs> she does it all. <laughs> she does it all. Well, first I want to say Amanda's book is so interesting. It is, and you can, of course, explain it better, but I really love explaining and breaking down the languages behind cult and how the languages of cult are really in our yeah. culture. I think that is fascinating because I always, we, Sue and I always say we're like, two steps away, one phone call away, one multivitamin away from joining. hundred percent. Oh, yeah. Wait. Well, oh, my God. It's so funny because when you were talking about the beauty stuff, my old career, my past life was spent as a beauty editor. And so mm -hmm. the beauty industry is a scam. And I've talked about the cult of the beauty industry on a few different Podcast. But Amanda, what should we use on our hair? You were a beauty editor. Tell Listen, to I do. don't even know anymore because that whole career, like I blacked out the whole time that I was in the cult yes. of the beauty industry. And now I literally use head and shoulders. <laughs> what do you use on your skin? What's your skin routine? Oh, I have. I do have a whole skincare routine. Tell us. I'll, I'll just break it down quick and dirty. Like um, fancy cleansers and moisturizers are a scam. Um, you okay. should be spending money and fancy shampoo is a scam because it's only on your head for like a second. Okay. The things you need to spend your money on are like serums, but not trendy serums, like yeah. vitamin C serums. Good girl. Yes. Retinol. Yes. And yes. Mm -hmm. just like a simple moisturizer and sunscreen and, um, and Botox. <laughs> Okay. Yes. Okay. Thank I'm like you. a second away from Botox right now, Amanda. I'm doing snail cum all yeah, over see, my face. Yeah. See, that's a scam, but it does sound fun. That didn't do anything for me. Yeah. Sure. I love it. The snail cum really works for me, guys, and it might just be like psychosomatic, but I'm enjoying it. Well, the placebo effect is not a scam. Really? It's real. The placebo. Oh my god, the placebo effect is totally real. I was just watching one of those. You know those like really informative Vox videos on YouTube. Yeah, yes, I was I watching one on um, on hypnosis or not hypnosis. Yeah, hypnosis. Like the term mesmerize comes from this dude mm -hmm. named Mesmer who like, no, yeah, who like created who like was a scammer. But through his scams, the actual like legitimate medical community discovered the very real non scammy power of the placebo effect. It's real. Oh, that's amazing. So I guess that means the beauty industry is not a scam as long as you believe. <laughs> wow. So Amanda, I think it's really interesting because, and you in your book go all over. You can start wherever you want to describe your book to us. But I thought a really cool jumping off point was the fact that right now in our culture, we're talking about hair, skin and nail. We're talking about TikTok. There's this idea of like female empowerment, mm. but it's so hand in hand with MLMs. Oh, yes. And the hashtag girl boss is can be completely manipulative in the other way. 
I think that's so interesting and scary. Can you talk all about of that? Of course. I would love nothing more. Yeah. So the book <laughs> at its core, it, it's about the language of cults from Scientology to mm-hmm. Soul Cycle. So the full cult spectrum. Yes. That's like the key argument is that cults are not a binary. You know, we tend to think of cults mm-hmm. just as Jonestown or Heaven's Gate or whatever, but really yes. um there's this wide spectrum of cultish influence and cult has been has become one of those words that can apply to really any group depending on the context anything and yeah and um that really says something about our culture's very weird fraught relationship with ideas of community Mm -hmm. spirituality identity ritual you know like acceptance of it too like we're just like oh yeah that's okay to be for sure that's not well but like you can that's the fun thing about cults is that they can be incredibly dangerous and destructive and the context of that conversation would be like more serious and nuanced sure but then you can also have fun with it because there are all these modifiers like culty and cult followed and cultish um but across the cult spectrum um from you know Jonestown and the Mansons to Scientology to MLMs and pyramid schemes all the way to Mm SoulCycle instructors and spiritual influencers and TikTok, whoever the fuck. Um, There are these methods of um, linguistic conditioning and coercion that are used by cult leaders, groups and gurus of all stripes. Um, And so so the book like describes what this language of cultish little double entendre there sounds like and it's sort of thing where it's like once you understand what it sounds like you won't be able to unhear it so with uh sure. with mlms i'm like god it's my favorite topic um i roasted well it's ours yes i mean i'm in the perfect place i roasted the shit out of the term girl boss in in my first book which is about uh the relationship between language and gender it's called word slut yeah guys this girl's written she's on her second book okay pay attention look her up <laughs> be obsessed with her because we are (laughs) our listeners are gonna love it um but yeah but i'm continuing on my crusade of hating the word girl boss but great yeah but mlms are my favorite scam because they're scammy but they aren't just your average scams they're really cultier than that because they're these complex life-consuming organizations with a late really personal really personal they have a language and culture all their own. You know, MLMs have these strong, pervasive ideologies that mm-hmm. are like really missionary in character. Mm-hmm. And members come to like revere their founding leaders who don't just want to run a successful company, but really rule the free world. I feel like to me, and I'm sure we all have thoughts on this, but like to me, a scam, the difference between a scam and a cult is like a scam. Well, and obviously that's a Venn diagram too, but A scam is going to rob you of money, time. Obviously, there are psychological ramifications of that. But a cult is Mm -hmm. going to promise you these like existential things that it really can't deliver on. And that's what MLMs Mm. do. And the language is really the biggest clue. That's the thing. It's like our culture provides these really unsatisfying explanations for what causes people to join cultish groups like MLMs. And they'll say like, oh, they were brainwashed. They were mind controlled. But really, that's just like metaphor and pseudoscience. And like brainwashing doesn't actually mean anything. Like what is actually going on are these methods of conditioning and coercion that have everything to do with language. And so MLMs, like, they'll condition and coerce their recruits by, you know, using these loaded buzzwords, often invoking God, because there are so many, like, Christian-affiliated MLMs. Mm -hmm. Yes, directly connected. Directly connected, which, like, has to do with just, like, the history of America as a Protestant capitalist nation, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, but then they basically 
use these these stock phrases that I I don't call. I didn't invent this. I wish I had, but they use these these stock phrases called <laughs> thought terminating cliches, which were actually described um, in the early fifties by this psychologist named Robert J. Lifton, which are these like super catchy, easily memorable, easily memorized, easily repeated expressions that are aimed at like shutting down independent thinking, discontinuing questioning or mm-hmm. independent thoughts. So like, you know, uh, one of my favorite MLM thought right. turning cliches will be like, oh, this isn't a pyramid scheme. Pyramid schemes are illegal. But it's like, mm-hmm. well, <laughs> just because something is illegal doesn't mean it doesn't exist and it doesn't mean you're not involved. Right, right, right. And right. also, Calling it out doesn't mean that it's, I think that's interesting too, psychologically, if you say, but let me call it out first and say, this isn't that, and then continue the behavior. (laughs) I know. It's like, I would never be involved with that. It's illegal. It's like, "Mm." (laughs) really, this is really interesting. Thought terminating Mm -hmm. cliche. It's it's not just MLMs. It's like other. Oh yeah. No, it's it's across the cult spectrum and, and thought terminating cliches imbue our everyday lives. Like the scamminess of daily life. I mean, even just a phrase like everything happens for a reason is a thought terminating cliche. <laughs> it, it is, is what, what it is. It is. It's live, laugh, laugh. It's basically anything that would be word art in your mother's <laughs> yes. home. Anything in like bridesmaid font. Hashtag blessed. Yes. yes. Bridesmaid. <laughs> 100%. Yes. I mean, it's every culty red flag. Like they'll love bomb you with talk of like, you're a girl boss. You're owning your own business. You're an entrepreneur, a mompreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you're like, you're the <laughs> CEO, like bad. Badass boss, babe, girl boss. No. So they'll love bomb you like a cult does using these like this very distinctive dialects and cultural terms. Yeah. I feel like those are all real housewives terms. A thousand percent. Um, and the MLM industry is so fucking like malleable and adaptable and sneaky in that way. Like it always mm. finds a way to reinvent itself and reinvent its language. Like Young mm. Living is one of my favorite MLMs and um, the Essential Oils. Mm-hmm. And they don't even like announce themselves Mm -hmm. as young living anymore like young living calls itself like we're the we're like the oily mamas we're like team oilers (gasps) Mm -hmm. cults are expert rebranders like they benefit from changing their name every so often so that people don't like catch up yeah so they'll love bomb you with all of this language like you're such a girl boss whatever like you're gonna be the entrepreneur of your dreams only having to work part-time with full-time income never having to leave your kids all that stuff because mlms like from the dawn of the modern direct sales industry have always um targeted mostly like white stay-at-home middle class like protestant Mm -hmm. middle america moms bored women bored Mm -hmm. women well they're just looking for easy income because they're home with their kids yeah they're locked out of the dignified labor market there's a reason yeah Yeah, for sure and like the mlm industry also targets say like um college kids who need to make a buck or religious communities mormons are the um MLMs are the Mormons kink. Like, you will not find <laughs> a community more obsessed with MLMs. Put that in a bridesmaid font <laughs> on a t-shirt, girl. <laughs> yeah. That's great. The thing I hate about MLMs is that they've made, made moms look so bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, I hate that that's how they've branded mom culture. Well, they really prey upon that community. Yeah, well, mom culture has been really roasted lately. <laughs> I know. It's so bad. It's like, I'm taking it back, okay? We're moms. We haven't made any money and we're crashing as people. Reclaim it. I'm reclaiming my time as a mom. Wait, can we can we take it like a macro level? You're a linguist. What is that? Oh, oh my God. Yeah, let's take it way back. <laughs> okay. Um, okay cool. So I guess I'm kind of a scam because 
I was like completely uncomfortable calling myself a linguist until probably my first book came out and I had like a book club meeting with a bunch of actual linguists with PhDs and they were like, no, you're a linguist. Mm -hmm. Like you can own it. But um, what is linguist? Well, a a linguist is um, someone who who studies the science of language, everything from phonetics and phonology to syntax and semantics or um, my kink is sociolinguistics. So where, you know, language and sociology intersect. So so the study of you know, how language affects the way that a person moves through the world and vice versa. So, interesting. Um, so my my first book, as I mentioned, is, was about the, the relationship between language, gender and power. Um, that sounds boring, but it's fun. No, it's actually really current. <laughs> like, it's also fun, um, like in a li- mm-hmm. ri- like literally fun way, because I tried to make it really accessible. And <laughs> but yeah, and then this book is about the... La- this book actually is not a linguistics book because even though it talks about language, it's really like sociology-based because at its mm-hmm. core, mm-hmm. it's about like the social science of cult influence. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that language is like a cult leader's fundamental, most important tool of power, but it's invisible, so mm-hmm. we take it for granted. That's so interesting. Um, you know, it's like while we're distracted by... MLMers like cringy. Oh my god! I was actually ugh, the MLM look is so distinctive. How like I feel well, the classic MLMer. There are a lot of MLMers in Orange County, mm. um, like two hours from where I live, mm-hmm. and they all look the same. They have long like blonde hair, long blonde, bleach blonde hair, and eyelash extensions. Their hair was curled with like a two inch barrel yes. wand. They wear like. Um, like a tight shirt, a knit cardigan mm-hmm. over it, skinny jeans, booties, and a floppy hat. Exactly. Maybe a flannel, maybe, but... Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe. Their, hu- their husbands wear the flannels and they borrow them. Yes. But um, <sighs> this is literally like a cult that I have witnessed. Like, while we're distracted by the way cult members... No. Oh my God, don't be sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Had to bring my baby on here. He will not stop crying. So cute. He's wearing a snowsuit because he kicks himself awake. He flails his arms and legs. Okay, Who sorry. doesn't? Who doesn't wear a sleep suit? I was literally wearing, well, I actually, I just, my whole wardrobe is sleep suits at this point. Well, I think it's really interesting with this and with the base of sociology and the science about it and psychology behind it. I liked how, not liked, but I thought it was so neat how a lot of these cults and this language with cult tells people this idea that they tell everyone that they're speaking to these cult leaders, these MLM moms, like, you're smarter than everybody else. You know better. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show mm-hmm. you with this cult, with this product, how to make your life better that nobody else realizes except us. We're this smart, small group. And it's a human nature to want to be, you know, on the cusp of the smartest, most inter- interesting things. And I feel like cults, is that related to the sociology aspect? Oh my God, 100%. Mm-hmm. Because what cult language does is divide, among the things that it does is divide people into an us and a them. Yes. Like, you're privy to this exclusive language that makes you special and smarter right. and more enlightened. Um, and the way that MLMs do it, it's really fucked up because they'll tell people just blatant lies but dressed up and sugar-coated like mm-hmm. you're an entrepreneur you own your own business like this is a once in a lifetime <laughs> opportunity mm-hmm. 
But really, like, there are a bajillion MLMs. Like, you can join one anytime. <laughs> and you have to give them a cut of your money, too. <laughs> They're like, you're an entrepreneur who's paying me. Oh, you give them all your money. Well, the 99%... Fake it till you make it. Literally 99% of MLMers lose money. The numbers speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. But the language is really pretty and compelling. Mm -hmm. And so people are are sucked in by it anyway. And, um, yeah, and the, and the fucked up part about... MLMs in particular is that you consistently find this juxtaposition of like really lofty, overly flattering, love bomby language about you being a girl boss juxtaposed with these really menacing threats of like, if you do not succeed in this foolproof business, then there is not something wrong with the system. There's something wrong with you. Like you did not work hard enough. Oh, it makes it completely personal. It's so personal. It's like you did not work hard enough. You were not dedicated enough. This system will work no matter what. Right. And so that's like a form of gaslighting. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, and the implications are really intense because they load this MLM opportunity with literally the weight of the American dream. Like right. MLMs paint mm. their businesses as like profoundly patriotic. Their whole thing. Yeah. It's and so yeah. ingrained in our culture. It's crazy. That totally. you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps from nothing and be completely rich. And if we don't, it's your fault. Like, as Americans, we value the myth of meritocracy, like, to our bones. Mm -hmm. But as MLMers, Such a myth. whose, whose um, success entirely depends on growing a downline and getting mm -hmm. commission, whatever, they value meritocracy and the myth of meritocracy even more. Wow. Um, and language is used to obscure truths encourage mm -hmm. confirmation bias divide people into that us and that them um like you know create these like veiled threats it's just like once you unpack it which mm -hmm. is what the mlm section of my book aims to do then you're just like holy shit this is not just like some cutesy hashtags like this is really destructive so i i love that cultish is like you're saying that cultish is a language just like English yeah. <laughs> or like a, a language of all these cults, which is great. Can you tell us what is um, some similarities between of, of the language of all cults? Oh, my God. A hundred percent. Well, kind of like everything that I'm describing, it will sound mm -hmm. different from cult to cult, depending on the specific ideology or demographic. And the thing about cults is that like their leaders are more attached to power and clout and like becoming bigger and more successful mm -hmm. than they are to any given ideology. And so the language is oh, welcome to change at any time. Oh, kind of yeah. like how the Young Living language changed. It's like Young Living now wants to appeal to like hipster micro influencers. And so like we're not Young Living anymore. We're oily mamas. Like we're mm -hmm. like natural oily mamas. So the the these cultish linguistic tactics, is, these elements of cultish are the same from group to group. And among them are these us them labels. Mm -hmm. Um, which could hmm. manifest in like loaded buzzwords, specialized terminology. Um, sometimes they'll take words that already exist in in English and they'll give them new cult specific meanings, um, oh, which can really disorient you. Can you give us an example of them? Of course, one of my favorite examples. Um, this doesn't this isn't an MLM example, but it comes from um, I think the first interview I did for the whole book, which was um, this woman who for ten years of her life was a member of the cult of Kundalini Yoga. Mm. This this group called the Happy Healthy Holy Organization. Um, they like have they like wear all white and so turbans and stuff. 
Yeah. And so much pressure. And um, she was talking about how it's a it's a new age group. So it's a lot of the terminology was it was a lot of like vibrations and frequencies. And you see that stuff <laughs> now on Instagram a lot. Yeah with like new agers i will tell you i am suspicious of a group of people wearing all white i'm always suspicious <laughs> very uncomfortable oh be sus but here's the wild thing is that like while we're distracted by the all white robes we like fail to realize that what got those people there wearing all white were these language techniques my favorite example so the example from 3HO was that um, they redefined the word old soul. So old soul in regular English is a beautiful compliment, right? It's like somebody who's wise beyond their years. But in 3HO, it meant they believed in reincarnation and it meant somebody who had reincarnated life after life after life, coming back time and time again and could never get life right. Oh, so it could never work their way all insult. the way up. Yeah. So old soul you know, gained this really negative, threatening, emotionally charged, singular meaning. And long after that woman that I interviewed left and like was in recovery from her cult experience, that word like she it's still triggering and it still makes her shudder. Wow. Um, so it can really gaslight you. There's those thought terminating cliches I, I talked about. There's so many like it's impossible to summarize them all. But yeah, I think it's so interesting, too, how you just said that you know, things can change, outfits can change, oils can change, but what you can't necessarily track is this verbal exchange and these words that vibrate in your mind and in your heart and like how how vicious and violent these words can be and how manipulative they can be. Exactly. Like we grew up with this mythology, like sticks and stones can break your bones, but words can never hurt you. And we grow up speaking not, not true. true. And we grow up speaking language so naturally that mm -hmm. we never stop to think like, oh, this has power. Like the this language has literal power to consummate actions. Mm -hmm. And um, if we're talking about religious cults and some MLMs like really are religious right. cults because they have the God implications and the afterlife implications and whatever, like religious language is some of the most powerful language, the most powerfully performative language. Mm -hmm. Performative in a linguistics context means language that has the innate ability to cause changes in the world to happen, to like okay. make real things happen. Making a stir, making something in you change, a reaction. Or literally making like the world change. For example, like the most basic form of performative language would be like an umpire calling, you're out. Mm -hmm. I don't know sports, okay. but like- No, that's great. Or a priest saying like, and you are married. <laughs> I don't I know what a priest says. A minister of, what do they call And amen. <laughs> Whatever, you know what I'm you saying? Are when someone's like, whatever. Like, oh, and I saying. now, yes, that or like, and I now pronounce you married. Yes. That's what I'm saying. I, wow, it's been COVID for so long. I haven't been to a wedding and I like, no one don't has. You could have, you could have kept going and our listeners would have been like, exactly. Everyone says, <laughs> and you are married at every wedding. Oh, but this is how fucked up that is, is that if you talk with enough charisma, <laughs> will believe oh. your shit if you're a confident yeah. woman well if you're a confident woman it'll be slightly harder to pull off than if you're a confident man but of course whatever mm -hmm. um but yeah that stay tuned i'll be starting my own cult you can join but maybe you can't us them we'll see i love oh yeah no back <laughs> on that point like the fucked up thing about mlms too and all cults is that they'll create this this like superior we're superior to everyone on the right. outside dynamic but then they'll turn it back around and they'll use that us them dichotomy and like you're special as a way as an excuse to like mistreat the insiders and against you 
they'll turn it against you. Um, but yeah, but religious language is like the most performative, consequential kind of language there is verbs like bless, curse, betray, you know, because you're invoking not just the context of a baseball game or a wedding, but the context of like, if you really believe all existence, you know, right. so it's fun. And it's so layered. And also, um, I'm sure you talk about this also, of course, in your book, but the fact that it starts so young, like if you are in a religion as a very young person, like you're used to these sort of decrees and these extreme decisions made by you and about you in, you know, authority your whole life. And then I feel like once you get into a cult or you see sort of some of those similarity similarities, it can be really easy to get jumped in and get sort of like swooped up in that as well. For sure, because like it's fun to learn a secret language. Yes. Like it's fun to be in on something. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing is that so I guess like to really backtrack, I grew up so interested in this topic because my dad grew up in a cult. Right. I read that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Small, small detail. Yeah. But um, but yeah, my dad spent his teenage years in this super notorious um Bay Area cult called Synanon. And his two little sisters, his like two toddler age half sisters. Do you know Synanon? It's related to like Al Anon. I've heard it's somehow related to like false. So, yes, it, exactly. Right? So yeah. it started out as mm. a rehabilitation facility for hard drug users who they called dope fiends. Mm -hmm. Um this was in the late this is in like the sixties. Um, but then it came to accommodate like non drug addicted lifestylers who just wanted in on the countercultural movement of the 60s and 70s and um my dad's dad was such a scammer he was mm. such a scammer he like wow. he's dead now so i can like talk shit about him but um he evaded the like draft he like was supposed to fight in the korean war and mm -hmm. he like scammed his way out of it and like all this stuff but anyway he was he was really really smart and had the gift of the gab um but he was also you know he was interested in counterculture and he forced my dad and his whole family to move to synanon when my dad wow. was 14. wow but my dad had at that point grown up in manhattan like school of hard knocks he arrived and he was just like this is a fucking cult you idiots <laughs> <laughs> good for him yeah so he just like laid really low and he didn't follow any of the rules and whatever. Now he's like an acclaimed scientist. So he's fine. That's fabulous. <laughs> so and I know in your book, you talk about a woman who was in two different cults. It, it could easily be linked to a second cult and you could get in, wrapped up in that one. Well, yeah, I mean, so I talked to this Jonestown survivor, which mm -hmm. like that's the reason that's why Cole. Incredible. Wow. <laughs> A bunch. I talked to a bunch of of uh, Jonestown survivors, and like Jonestown is the whole reason why we know what cults are. Like, okay, yeah, and it's the whole reason why the word cult has such sinister implications. Like, yeah, drink the Kool Aid. <laughs> exactly. Like before, well, really before the Manson murders, and then Jonestown. Mm -hmm. Cults were not like really a priority for people. Like they weren't really like people knew what they were, but they weren't the symbol of fear mm -hmm. like they became. Mm -hmm. So I I spoke to this woman who was able to um well she got she just basically got really lucky and wasn't actually in Jonestown the day of the massacre. Wow. Um but and you'd think like oh this lady would be turned off to cults for life. But right. Then she went and joined Synanon. What? The same cult my dad was in. Wow. Yeah. And the reason for that um has, I think, a lot to do with this 
this myth that people tend to hold about like the type of people who are most likely to join cults. Like we think, oh, those people are desperate or disturbed or intellectually deficient or easily hoodwinked or whatever. But really, I found consistently that people who are most likely to involve themselves in these countercultural groups are like their crime is that they're just like way too idealistic. Mm. way too optimistic mm. and they're really very bright most of, of them course, and like yeah. service minded you know um, could it also be comforting to them like I feel like if she grew up in Jonestown would it be comforting for her to find another cult she joined she joined Jonestown as an adult um, oh. and she well the people's temple is Damn. what the actual group is called but she reminds me of just like a Bernie bro she was just <laughs> like really into socialism mm-hmm. um which is a cult. Yeah, which is a cult. Um, really into it's all along the cultish spectrum, as I like to say. Spectrum mm-hmm. in that Venn diagram. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's in the Venn diagram. But yeah, she grew up, you know, really into anti-racism activism. She was interested in communal living, living amongst like all races, all socioeconomic um classes. And Jim Jones was a smart guy who made a lot of promises and um, had affiliations with like all the right people in San Francisco, Angela Davis, the Black Panthers, like he did his homework. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah. And Chuck, Chuck Diedrich, who is the charismatic leader of Synanon, he was not quite as impressive as Jim Jones, but he still had, you know, he had a lot going on. Um, And I think she just like, wasn't willing to give up on this dream. It's that idealism, you know, Mm. that's so difficult. Damn. It's so tragic too. You should just be cynical and jaded and you'll be fine. I know. It's like be right? cynical and jaded, but at the same time, it's like, then you'll die alone. So it's, it's like striking the balance, you Life know? Life is hard, guys. It Figuring is. out this place. Life is hard. <laughs> Figuring out this planet. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Check out new episodes Mondays and Fridays for a wide variety of topics and news episodes. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Rage on. So, Amanda, do you love cults or do you hate them? I love them. And I'll tell you, I'll like qualify that. So I think that I obviously do not love groups like whatever the fundamentalist Latter-day Saints and Scientology Mm -hmm. and Synanon and the like. I mean, those groups are like basically just a toxic, abusive relationship blown up times a thousand or a hundred. Right. Um, and I think that's fucked, but I love analyzing it, you know? <laughs> mm. Gotta love analyzing mm. it. Um, it makes me feel smug. It makes me feel smart. Fun, juicy, juicy um, cult info. Of course. Juicy, juicy cult stories. And then, you know, I, and then in terms of like groups along the cultish spectrum, because the, here's the thing, it's like not all so-called cults or groups that could be considered cults are bad. Um, just because a group is like alternative or fringe or even involves like supernatural beliefs doesn't make it inherently dangerous. And I think like we as humans are culty by nature, like we mm-hmm. are communal by nature. Mm-hmm. And I think when you strip us of that, it like spoils the most magical parts of being a human being. But I think like, where it gets dangerous is when you like you mistrust or don't have access to healthy sources of community mm-hmm. such that you start turning to potentially dangerous alternative groups from from a position of like fear or mistrust or and that's what we see with like conspiracy theories and stuff mm-hmm. are you part of any cults like peloton crossfit QAnon, <laughs> any of those uh well, I am in the cult of Instagram. I um have <laughs> okay doom scroll addiction. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like really think that the solution is just to involve yourself in as many cults as possible, so that like not just one can get you. <laughs> I love it. Mm. I'm in the cult of infomercials. I love them. I oh, love that them. For I love. Well, this is a thing too that you mentioned in your book about this idea that they're sort of selling a makeover and a new improved you there's this Mm -hmm. there's not only just cults you know collecting on people in need or mothers who are bored or people that need more money or something it's also this idea that if you do this culty activity with these people not only will you be smarter but you will physically completely transform your life oh yeah i mean that's the thing is like we think like oh cult leaders higher-ups whatever they want to go for the desperate and disturbed and vulnerable Mm -hmm. But really what they want to go for is people who have so much hope the for their future yeah. Yeah, that they're not going to be liable to break down right away. Like if you are truly, truly desperate for money, you're not going to stick out the long game of an MLM. That's true. Like you have to like want something bigger for yourself and maybe you don't even know yeah Yeah, totally and maybe you don't even set out like wanting that bigger greedy thing Mm -hmm. like not even that wanting a better life for yourself is greedy but like we as americans we fetishize self-improvement blah blah blah, like the wealth and 
Totally. And but like MLMs are such a like strategic assault on like the human spirit mm-hmm. that like even if you think like, oh, I just really do need a little bit of extra cash, they will they will teach you to think like, no, <laughs> you want the full American dream, bitch. Right. <laughs> and not just extra cash for groceries. You want to have that fancy car so you can show off to everyone else. It's a lot of totally. a lot of these cults too are a lot of showing off to outside. It really mm-hmm. it's almost like the popular kids at school. Like they want you want to be a part of this totally. club. Then you have this influence and you have this panache for whatever. And I don't know if I'm using that word right, but um, you have this like idea that y- you have this I don't know. It's like a cloak. Of it's aspirational. Power. Yeah. yeah, totally. And like you, everyone wants to be part of something exclusive. Yes. Also, I fucking love the word panache. <laughs> I love that word. You just like reminded me of that word. I fucking love that word. She's a linguistic guy. Maybe my call will be called panache. It should. Can we just do it? Let's Ooh. just start it. Put it in a cute font. Stick it on a mug or a water bottle, and I will support you till the day I'm. <laughs> Not bridesmaids. <laughs> yeah. Not bridesmaids. No, no, no. It's gonna be like sans serif, mm-hmm. very muted, spaced out. Yeah, Space. yeah, like a futura thin. Yes. You know. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. So it seems like um, most of the people you interviewed for the book were women. Was that intentional, or do you find that a lot of more women are cult leaders? I think. I think perhaps members. I just don't care to speak with men hey yeah you're speaking to the right podcast fully understand (laughs) no no i actually i did i did interview a lot of men for the podcast uh for the podcast jesus christ (laughs) i'm also i'm also launching a podcast so like my brain is just like in pieces what's it about it's about cults wait you have to let us know when it comes out so we can support you and you can come back on for it and everything Mm Thank you. It's going to launch like around the same time as the book. So like two birds with one stone, but it's called Sounds Like a Cult. (laughs) And I'm hosting it with a friend. And basically every week on the podcast, my friend and I are going to pick some fanatical fringe group from the zeitgeist, less the Jonestowns and the Mansons and more the Pelotons, Mm -hmm. the Bachelor Nation, the Royal Family, that sort of thing. And we're going to break it down to try to answer the big question of the week. This group sounds like a cult, but is it is really? It? And if so, how bad is it? Mm. Wow. We're, well, we're going to put your link in our show notes so our listeners can Thank check you. that out. Thank you. so exciting. Thank you. Um, but yes, yeah, so I did interview a bunch of men. Um, you probably just don't remember them because men are less interesting. <laughs> um, we have that's amazing true. <laughs> diehard male listeners, and they're used to us shit-talking men all the time, and that's why they love us. They know. They they know that yeah, about themselves. They're close friends. I'm totally being facetious. Actually, like, well, oh, here here is also probably a little bit why is that um in addition to just like I surround my life with only women. Same. Is that a call? Mm-hmm. Unequivocally the same. Yes. But what is irrefutably true um, is that like women are the only people who buy books. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like my men don't read. No, men read the they books that like their, their wives, wives buy, buy them. them. Women are the purchaser. Got well, it. I think Got too, it. and this mm. might be my opinion on cults, is that not only is she a linguist, she's a marketing <laughs> expert. I know. Hell yeah. I'm honestly, I'm just like, do I want do I want to appeal to men? I don't care. No, 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 no. <laughs> there's no reason. Um what is really interesting too is that this idea of like hope but behind cults and behind conning and this idea of community, like women thrive. Women have I believe that women thrive in these understated, under the radar communities to survive. Like other moms, like 
other moms at the park, other moms that I know, like Sue, I can text and be like, this is so excruciatingly difficult. I can't necessarily, you can sort of like let your guard down. You can relate, you can connect. Women are just so good at breaking those barriers and just really getting to how you're feeling and emotionally connecting quickly. So I feel that that's also a way that in MLNs and and in cults that they can use that as a tool too to bring people into their communities. Yeah, no, that is a good point. I mean, women generally, and I'm generalizing, mm-hmm. um, have just like more to gain from the promises that cult leaders make. And very emotional and intuitive. Like we, I feel like we communicate more and it almost sounds like that communication is easier in some cases for women. It, no, it is true. And I, and I do know from my research into feminist linguistics that um, women adapt more quickly to linguistic change. Right. Um, but I but what is studyable and true is that it it's not that women are cultier, but it is that um, when like scientists do critical analyses of like paranormal beliefs and cultiness, the types of beliefs that tend to attract men and women are a little bit different, not mm. to get too binary about That's it, but like um women more than men um have a penchant for believing in like precognition and mm-hmm. sort of more like new age ideas Intuition. yeah um and those sort of like woo woo spiritual sort of like culty ideas mm-hmm. but men more than women are likelier to believe in ufo landings <laughs> um devil possession mm-hmm. um conspiratorial beliefs like there's this amazing uh, science writer named Michael Shermer who actually like let me bring up the quote because it's fucking hilarious. He <laughs> he wrote a book in like the late 90s about why people believe in weird things. Mm-hmm. And um, he was talking about like the demographics, like men versus women and their, you know, the types of weird ideas that they tend to believe in. And he was talking about um you know, how like men more than women are are more likely to believe in like hoaxes and conspiracy theories. And he sure. says in his book, he goes, if you attend any meeting of creationists, Holocaust revisionists or UFOologists, for instance, you will find almost no women at all. The few that the few that I see at such conferences are the spouses of attending members. And for the most part, they look bored out of their skulls. <laughs> So, like, it's the men that believe in these, like, really destructive groups. However, that is changing because of the overlap now between New Age groups and conspiracy theories, the conspiritualists Mm -hmm. of contemporary culture. That's why, like, you get the yoga QAnon moms and stuff. Right. um, Because those ideologies are overlapping. But anyways. It's so intense. Wait, on a similar note, my baby wants to know. Do you think that cults are inherently more American than they are? There are more cults in America than in other <laughs> Yeah. Well, again, it like all depends on your definition of the word cult. Like, really, where's the mm. line between cult and religion? It has a lot to do with cultural normativity, whatever. Um, but yes, I do find that Americans uh, tend to be cultier than other places in part. That's because we're a country founded on religious freedom where people are, you know, ostensibly permitted to get as spiritually freaky as they like. Um, but also it's because... It's in part because whereas other developed nations have all these social safety nets like universal health care and stuff like that, um, we as Americans don't have any of that shit. So 
Whereas like citizens of places like Japan or, you know, Norway know that like Mm. the government will be there if they like trip and fall and are tumbling down into an abyss. Like the government will be there to catch them and provide them with certain social safety nets to to make sure they have what they need to survive. We in the U.S., like we don't have that shit. We're like existentially all on our own. Mm -hmm. And when Mm -hmm. we have such mistrust of you know, institutions like the government. And as we increasingly are moving away from traditional religion, then we look to alternative groups to fill the void. And some of them are good and some of them are bad. But um, um, yeah, cults are like this consistent Mm -hmm. fixture in in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And you see that Mm -hmm. in like the 70s and 60s, you know, like with everything going on then. And you see that now. I'm curious too, like, um, because I know you've interviewed a ton of people when they talk about it is we talk to our like listeners of ways that they can sort of red flags or ways that they can sort of check out for these things or if a website seems kind of scammy is there something that was universal that people said to you that they kind of confessed like I should have known by now or Mm. I'm embarrassed about this like I feel like there's when we've heard of people who are who have joined cults or have joined MLMs they kind of at some point let in that this should have been a warning sign or they felt embarrassed by being hmm. duped. Was there anything similar yeah. between that or, or one that stuck out to you? Well, I don't think anyone should be embarrassed mm-hmm. because like these techniques are like an assault on our deepest seated human psychology, right? right? And they're so, experts like, at this point. Yeah, the, I mean, they like these cults are super nimble and I'm I, they're not. I mean, here's another myth is like people think that cult leaders like Keith Raniere or L. Ron Hubbard or whoever are these like genius masterminds who had like a grand plan from the beginning. But really, they're just these opportunists mm-hmm. and they like figure out what mm-hmm. works for them, you know. Um, but I don't think people need to feel embarrassed. That said, you know, getting like balls deep in a cultish group couldn't just happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some people who are more like sensitive mm-hmm. or more on cult high alert. And I like mm-hmm. in, in the book, I I kind of unpack a little bit of like why some people are more sensitive mm-hmm. to scam rhetoric than others. I don't know if you've talked about like system one and system two thought processes. No, please tell on us. Your podcast. No, we sure oh, haven't. Oh, oh, well, um, basically like there is a whole social science of gullibility and there was this Nobel Prize winning psychologist named Daniel Kahneman who outlined that gullibility exists because we have these two opposing data processing systems in our brains called system one and system two thinking. And system one thinking is quick, intuitive and automatic. So like when someone tells us something, system one relies on personal experience and anecdotal knowledge to make a snap judgment about it. And among ancient humans who lived in small groups where trust was built on like lifelong face to face relationships with like your mom and your cousin, Mm -hmm. um, this method like system one was basically all you needed um like back then you didn't have to be too skeptical when someone told you something because that someone was probably like literally your mom Mm -hmm. and you could tell whether or not they were lying or whatever Yeah. yeah but then over time we developed system two thinking which is much slower and more deliberative and more rational and like in the information age where billions of people interact with each other anonymously online, spreading like scams Mm -hmm. and fake news, um, system two becomes super useful because when something sounds fishy, you don't have to lean on instinct to make a decision about it. You can take your time and ask questions and Google it and like thoroughly investigate and then decide how you want to react. 
But because this process is so much newer than system one, it doesn't always work. And that's because we have so many deeply embedded human reasoning flaws like confirmation bias and Mm -hmm. these like hazy cognitive labor divisions. And that's like complicated. But basically, long story short, like human beings are evolving to be able to handle lots of information, Mm -hmm. but we're not robots. And so we can't do it perfectly. And basically, like when a scam is pitched with all the bombastic fixings, you know, like all of these grandiose promises, you like without any context, it actually does sound really good. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I want to make a million dollars in a year. Of course. You know? And I want to um, not work very hard and enjoy my life and spend time with my family. Yeah, exactly. But then like some people have a system one reaction. They're like, oh, I know this is a scam. Some people are really impulsive. Well, I'll say this. Okay, so there was this there was this economist who studies MLMs named Stacey Bosley. She was interviewed on the Dream podcast, mm-hmm. if anybody's listened to the Dream. And she once did an experiment to demonstrate how systems one and two pan out in pyramid scheme recruitment mm-hmm. or MLM recruitment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so she like set up a little booth at a state fair and she handed each passerby five dollars in cash and told them um they could either either keep their money or try her airplane game, which is basically like a condensed version of uh, an MLM or pyramid scheme. And some people like took one look at the offer and were like, no fucking way, lady, I'm keeping my five bucks. That's Uh a scam. Other people took system two time to process it and look at all the rules and assess. And they, you know, said, no, that's a bad deal. So like they came to the same conclusion, but via system two. Uh And then there were some people who deliberated carefully, but they didn't have like the right tools to be able to do that very well okay the cognition Mm -hmm. the literacy i don't know and then there were people who just really were impulsive and they were like that sounds awesome i'm gonna fucking do it and like impulsivity is Mm -hmm. a common diagnostic indicator of people's vulnerability to fraud um and yeah so that's a long ass story but interesting basically like there are a few things that would make someone more gullible than someone else that all sorts of like childhood issues like experiences in their life yeah. yeah like we're all born thinking like oh the the world is going to be like a nice and honest place for us and then over time like you that veil get, like falls down you're like oh the world can actually be kind of scary and like someone like my dad from early childhood trauma had his trust damaged really early on. So he's probably not going to be very vulnerable Mm -hmm. to a scam. Um, You know, but then again, like sometimes when you add in factors like stress or like, I don't know, just exhaustion, financial hardship, some people choose to ignore their skepticism and end up getting scammed anyway. That's so funny. So I'm incredibly impulsive. My husband thinks everything through. So I'm like, we have two of those just running our household. Like he's so well, smart. It's he goes actually through it good. All. It's actually good because you don't want to be so skeptical that you end up being unproductive. Right. <laughs> That's true. No, I just it's so funny. We were talking today and he's like, you know, you're just we're joking because I'm just really good at throwing money at the situation and saying, well, like, let's buy this. It'll solve our lives. And he's really good at thinking about it. That's sometimes the better thing to do. (laughs) Like sometimes being impulsive is a good idea. But I but one of my fun favorite fun facts is that um, well, if you're if you're in a bad mood, Mm -hmm. you're going to be less susceptible to scamminess. Oh, interesting. Like which is very like uh, like a curmudgeonly superpower. That is very powerful. Yeah. Like if you're in a good mood, you're going to be more trusting. Mm -hmm. But I think like in terms of what people regretted, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think. People who got involved in like really, really destructive cults like Scientology and stuff like that, 
I think there were so many regrets that like it was hard to pin down just one. But I guess like a red flag from the start would just be just like not fact checking, not cross referencing, not asking other people like, what do you think of this? Yeah, I was thinking to what cults do as sort of a way to get people to not be able to check is they isolate them from other people. Like I think that extreme isolation yeah. that a lot of cults do where it's like the other, you know, people are not like us or your family doesn't understand. You have to separate. I think that separation is when people then don't start to use their intuition, their spidey sense, whatever you call it, to be like, is this shady? And I think that's it's a tactic that cult leaders and MLMs use totally. to say, don't double check where the average person would double, triple check or Google. Um, I remember like I in college, I was joining. I wanted to join Rush for sororities to see the interior of their houses because I love design. And I remember oh. I'd walk by their houses and be like, oh, my God, that wallpaper is gorgeous. So my plan was to join that stupid thing where you go around, you meet everyone at their houses. And no offense to any uh, sorority people there, but it's not for me. Um, and then at the end, they were like, now we're going to tell you which house you're in, Caitlin. And I was like, oh, I don't really care. Um, and and I was like, can I call my mom? And they were like, no, you aren't. Uh, you are not allowed to call your mom. No outside phone calls. No speaking to anybody outside. And that's when I was like, oh, I'm 100% leaving. Like I was only in here for the interiors and I am now leaving immediately. Like, <laughs> oh my God. So you did the exact right thing. And I think that isolation is such a red flag, but also they put you on this like water slide where you're just like, okay, I'll just fucking go with it. It's bullying tactics. It's hunger. Like I was hungry. They didn't feed you. You were on your feet all day. Totally. Like, these are all basic things of like, I feel like for any listener, like when someone says or when you're in a situation and you're in a meeting room and they're like, no, you can't get out. You can't call someone. You can't check in. Also ask yourself, like, have I eaten in four hours? Like, yeah. have I been standing all day? Like, am, have I seen sunlight? Am I in a dark room? Like, there's these really simple totally. tools they use. Totally. I was just like watching the WeWork documentary over the oh, weekend. Oh, I haven't seen it. And you got to watch it. It's <laughs> like every cult red flag was... Yeah. could be found in yeah. this in this story but it. but i think but too like they will use these really clever language tactics to basically like gaslight you into thinking like oh no you're not even being isolated right now like we have um, anyone back. yeah <laughs> yeah but like my, one of my favorite ones um which is used in so many new age groups and it was definitely used in nexium is when they'll label anything that is like you questioning or you expressing skepticism or you like voicing a need They'll say that's a limiting belief. <laughs> mm, that's insane. That's insane. So they're really qualifying all of your thoughts and feelings so that it caters to them. That's like such a good way of putting it. That, yeah, they'll thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, I'm going to join my own cult and make my own soon. But yeah, they'll say like <laughs> if anything, if anything is questioning, that's going to be in filed under negative, bad or stupid. It's almost like 100%. they have it prepared before you walk in there. And literally, like, if anyone's ever been in a toxic relationship, it's the same shit. Like, it's the same shit. Oh, my God. I liked what you said. Maybe, like, you can co-found Panache with let's me. Let's do it. Guys, let's just do Panache. <laughs> I would want to create, and then, then you tell me your cult. Um, I would want to okay, create something that, that finds a way to take over things like Instagram and Facebook and disables that value system and hierarchy that like that need for verification or that need for people to feel legitimized or viewed. Like I would want to create a cult of hackers that could just crack it and disperse it all so that it loses its power so that those social media platforms start like um stop their mind control. So I kind of I guess I would want a cult 
counterculture. It's an anti-cult cult. Yeah, like hackers to destroy social media. <laughs> that sounds like the opposite of a cult. It does, but I, I do want a team. Like, I do want a team. I do want to all have t-shirts. I do want to all oh. work very hard. And I do want to somehow make money and stay at home. <laughs> okay, like, so that's like cult light. That's cult light, like a hacker cult. What would be Yeah, yours? for sure. Uh, well, on my podcast, we would call that level of cult a live your life. Okay, great. I'll take it. A live your life. Because there's like live your life, mm -hmm. watch your back. Mm -hmm. That's like slightly more dangerous. And then there are the get the fuck out. Cults. Okay, okay. What would your dream cult be? Okay, my dream cult, this is going to be really earnest. Great. But like literally my dream cult is I want to buy an acre of land in Idlewild, which is this like very witchy mountain town, like two hours from LA where I live. Oh, yes. I want to. I want to buy an acre of land. I want to build a tiny house with a bunch of campsites surrounding it. And I want to host like witchy writers retreats. Wait, yes. Can we talk about witches? Because you mentioned witches in your book and Sue and I love witches. I love witches. We I love witches. Love witchery. We love witches. We love that female power behind it. Yeah. Me too. I think witches are a perfect cult. Um, I just want to sign my name in the devil's book. You know what I mean? Me too. The part that MLMs are missing and the part that like the Mormon women's groups are missing or, or, or the part that they're trying to achieve is that community of supportive women that says fuck you to the patriarchy and fuck you to the yeah. powers that be. And that is admirable. That is wonderful. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, I'm not saying that like women aren't capable of doing god awful things like sure. that's what equality is when everyone is allowed yes, to do god awful yes, no, things. Women can also be garbage and forget your best friend's birthday. That's fine. But the, the support <laughs> yeah. behind the support no, you're which. clearly you're clearly not the cult leader in that scenario. I'm no. just calling it now. But I I mean, M the MLMs and the Mormon church are helmed by men. Like it's right. not actual right. yeah. female empowerment. It's right. That's what I mean. They're trying to they're trying to harness that idea that really only witches have safely taken control over. Exactly. And so like a few years ago, actually, I did write this this like piece for cosmopolitan magazine. fabulous we'll link about, it in our notes um, send it to us oh great about um like which influencers i love it um and i like really did a deep dive mm -hmm. into the influencer witch community mm -hmm. um and m like overview largely what i found was just like a community of mostly like queer women and non-binary people mm -hmm. a, a lot of them were were BIPOC and they were just like using social media to share their wisdom of like natural tinctures mm -hmm. and astrology in like a really non-damaging way mm -hmm. like they would be doing their thing regardless of whether social media existed right. or not right and I mean like I don't actually think irrational beliefs are like you know, faith-based beliefs all on their own are damaging. Mm -hmm. Like, do I hold any like truly like spiritual beliefs that could be like categorized as religious or even like in an astrology way? Mm -hmm. Personally, no, but I wish I did. <laughs> I do. I do. What would you say about witches that are the, the positive parts of community and cultish, if there is any? Oh my God, of course. Like, I think having genuinely supportive cultural community is so critical mm -hmm. to like moving through the world as a person mm -hmm. in like a healthy and supported way. Yeah. Um, and I think like spirituality is 
important like even if you're like me where i think objectively i'm not a very spiritual person but like i do think existentially of like what is my place in the world mm -hmm. why am i here like what can i how, how can, can i, I leave the world better than mm -hmm. i entered it yeah like all that stuff and the answers for me don't have to do with like god or church sure. or synagogue but i still think about those answers and those questions all the time and i think if you can enmesh yourself in a community that maybe provides like some suggestions for answers along with like rituals and and a sense a of meaning yeah but that lets you use your cell phone <laughs> yeah yes that exactly where like the rules are not oppressive and you can tap out like yes. there's this concept that i talk about in the book that i really like um this concept of ritual time where like okay. a healthy religion will keep all of the rituals and everything in this space mm -hmm. like the word sacred literally means to set aside okay. like it is a sacred space that you perform a ritual to enter and you perform a ritual to exit okay, yeah. and then you go back to your everyday life where you can have your own independent thoughts and your whole life isn't being monopolized upon by by this cult Run by another program um, yeah yeah totally and i think like that's why cults aren't just religious groups like they really can be online communities mm -hmm. fitness communities mm -hmm. whatever because the, the all of these sites of community spirituality and identity can take like hold of our lives um but i think w like you can participate to a healthy extent and i actually think that that's really important for human beings mm -hmm. and i'm excited to th for the pandemic to be fucking over <laughs> you know <laughs> Finally, we witches can unite. Ugh, that's exactly. So amazing. Amanda, this has been so lovely. Guys, Um, it, you, I'm sure you've assumed Sue is not with us right now. She, Her beautiful baby did take her attention, and we support that in our community. And cult, you run to the baby. Babies first. Um, cult Babies second. are the ultimate cult leader, but like we love them. We love them. them. They, gr they grow out Babies of it. Babies are top of the pyramid. They're the number one. <laughs> Babies are a pyramid scheme, but like we love but, it. But, you know, very important. And basically we created them ourselves. So it's like, oh, we are the alpha. That's it. I don't know, guys. I don't know. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm just. No, no. No, I like I like we that. are the I cult like leaders that. that then are run by the cult. Yeah. The yeah. Knows? Anyway, it's that's very symbiotic, but I like it. I, I love babies. That's all I got to say. Um, this has been amazing, Amanda. Is there any, um, where can people find you on social media? If Like where can people connect linked to you and get to get this book? So um, you can pre-order Cultish now. Um, it's The full title is Cultish, the Language of Fanaticism. You can pre-order it wherever you pre-order your books. I'm so excited. Um, Skylight Books in Los Angeles is an independent bookstore that is doing signed pre-order. Fabulous. Copies. So if you Google Skylight Cultish, you'll find it. Oh, yeah, I get that. Um, but you can pre-order wherever. Like, if you buy your books from the Cult of Amazon, mm -hmm. like, go for it. Um, I don't support, but go for it. Just kidding. I do whatever. Just, like, <laughs> yeah. like subscribe. Amazon's really great because you can have you can watch your book sales on it. So, as an author, I love Amazon. <laughs> oh, I don't even do that. Like, I, I mean, it, it is a way me. to hurt yourself, but, um, but yeah. Yeah, no, I don't want to hurt myself. But um, yeah, so you can pre-order Cultish now. Um, my podcast is forthcoming. Mm -hmm. It's called Sounds Like a Cult. You can follow the Instagram now. It sounds like a cult pod. There's no content on it yet, but hopefully by the time this podcast posts, there will be. Um, and you can always follow me on Instagram at Amanda underscore Montel. And I post all kinds of deliciously fun cult content, original memes, um, little lessons. Amazing. I do all kinds of things. On wow. There. So you're going to have some 
diehard followers, Amanda, after this episode that will <laughs> that will join the cult of Amanda Montel. And guys, if you have ever been in a cult, if you have any experience in this, or if you're just curious and listening to this podcast and you have like something you've just got to get off your chest, you can always call us on our hot tip hotline because you know I love a phone call. That number is 347-509-9414. Or you can find us on Scamwell Podcast on Instagram. Email us at Scamwell Podcast on Gmail. Um, also, we have our Patreon where we have all of our deep, darkest secrets that we just, we don't think are like appropriate for the main feed. But if you want to hear like details in our medication and birth stories, <laughs> two separate episodes, but probably the same thing. Um, that's all on Patreon with Scamwell. So I just want to say thank, thank you, Sue. Who, and thank you to Sue's gorgeous baby and husband who are holding down the fort over there. Thank you, Amanda. And thank you, producer Kate. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Hi, guys. It is Sue. It's the next morning. I just wanted to pop back in and apologize if my baby was distracting during the beginning of the episode and say, I hope you liked the episode. Sorry that I had to leave early, but sometimes we all just need our moms. And my baby needed his mom in that moment, and I had to go to him. And it's very hard to be a working mom. So, you know, care about working moms. Everybody should care and bring more visibility to this. Okay, I wanted to pop in so that I could update you. I know that we've been, I've been telling you about the ongoing saga of my stepdad's scope that he ordered from the internet and gave me money for, and we thought it was a scam. Uh, he received it yesterday. So he did receive a scope for his rifle, one of his 28 guns. So we're happy he did not get scammed. Amen. Thought you should know. All right. Love you guys. Bye. Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Seven ribs are completely fused. And you have no idea where this came from? No, she was sent here anonymously. Uh -uh, not she. They, maybe? W wait. I've never seen anything like this. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. My grandfather was a journalist back in the 60s and 70s. He specialized in strange stories. Who are they? How are they connected to the skeleton? Play the tape. You'll see. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. We dream about it. We both dream about it. How often? <laughs>